welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 967. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, what? Is, isn't, aren't we up to 957? No, no, I'm. No, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure we didn't miss that many. <laughs> okay, well, some somewhere, something like that. <laughs> anyway, it has been a little bit of a t- while, hasn't it, Julius? How are you doing? Uh, I have to do it. With my <laughs> uh, could be better, could be worse, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's the same here. I'd say some things are great, some things are crazy, but life is good, and it, you know, here we are, and we're ready to talk about uh, two games this episode. Two very similar games. Yes. <laughs> so similar. The names are almost the same. The, uh, <laughs> clank and clank in space. <laughs> I love their names. Actually, the first one's probably just clank. I'm glad you're getting so much enjoyment just from saying the name. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a whole episode about just saying the name. So we're going to jump into that shortly. But, I mean, we got so much. We got months of news here. I think we may just want to skip the news. Okay, well, I'm going to mention a couple little bitty things. One is, uh, this month is the eighth year anniversary of the One Player Podcast, which is pretty exciting. Actually, May 27th of 2011 was when the first episode went live. So so that's pretty neat. Um, nice. Mm-hmm. It has been by far the slowest year, but it's okay. It still counts. It happened. Uh, we needed a break. <laughs> yeah. The... So so that's it. The next piece of news is um, I just wanted to mention a game called The Abandons. It's a solo game. It's a little itty-bitty card game. It's available now. This was on Kickstarter, I think, last year. Yeah. And and I received my copy. I had back to receive my copy a couple months ago. And I played it once or twice. I haven't had a chance to get it played again. But it's a little tiny game. It's a super itty-bitty box. It's like, I don't know, four or five inches by four or five inches. And uh, all it is is a deck of square cards, and you're you're trying to flip you're flipping cards, building a, a dungeon, basically a house, trying to trying to get through the entire deck to get out of the house effectively. And it's a neat little game. It's it's um it's by no means a brain burner. It's a very light game for for when you're tired. It's really good for that sort of thing. And uh, it's like I said, it's available now. It's by Michael Blasco, published by Puzzling Pixel Game. So I just wanted to mention that because Michael did reach out to me, ask if I'd be willing to review it, and honestly, I just and he wasn't able to get to it in any time matter. So I said I'll at least mention it, but I I just don't have the the bandwidth right now to to really get into it and do a whole episode on it. Honestly, this show, getting ready to talk about this game, Julius, has taken me months of playing it, maybe once a <laughs> week, <laughs> once every week or two, I'd get a game in. <laughs> what dedication. How, yeah, that's how, that's how long it was. Um, so that was the second item. The third item, this is interesting, Robinson Crusoe Mystery Tales. This was uh, released last month, well, pre-released last month. It was up, open for pre-orders directly from Portal Games, and this was the expansion to Robinson Crusoe that is set in a in a Cthulhu-type mythos world setting. Um, I went ahead and ordered it from them directly, or pre-ordered it from directly because if I did, I would get some promo stuff, some tokens and things like that, some extra scenarios. I said, oh, I want all that. Um, so my copy was delivered like four weeks ago on a Friday. I got home. The package was not here. 
<laughs> I was so bummed. You know, and I kept checking. It's not there. It's not at this front door. It's not at the other front door. It's nowhere. Um, I contact, I waited a few days just to see. It was a Friday. I waited till Monday to see if it showed up. Uh, maybe one of my neighbors had it by mistake. Nothing. I contacted FedEx. They said, nope, we checked our GPS. We definitely delivered it at the address. Like, oh, man. And, I, you know, I told them it, can't, it doesn't make sense because my family was home. It was spring break. And uh, they said, well, we'll do a track on it. And so they did. They spent a week on it. They come back and say, no, we, we definitely delivered it at the right place. And I'm so sad because that can only mean one thing. The package was stolen. That's a shame. It was, it was a huge shame. I was so, and it was so sad because I kept driving home every day and I, I checked maybe it's been there and I just hadn't seen it or something for you know for the last two weeks and nothing and finally I contacted Porto I told him what happened I didn't hear about him for, for till about a week and then they said okay I mean have you talked to FedEx yes nothing's happened and they said okay well we'll go ahead and send you another one uh, just you know make sure when FedEx shows up that that you tell them not to leave it Un, you know, un, without make sure somebody has it, or or maybe you could have it go pick it up at the at their location or something. I said, yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's fair because obviously packages are being stolen. Plus, my neighbor, she said she had a package stolen or something like that. So that was all set. That was last week Wednesday or Tuesday. Then last week Wednesday, I got an email from the uh, distributor saying, "Hey, your package is returned to us." Nice. <laughs> I said, like, "What? Wait a minute! It was only—it's only been one day, and it's already got returned. That makes no sense." I said, and I thought about it. That's not what they meant. They said, "Yeah, we just—you know—got returned. We just need you to verify the address." And that's when it hit me. They sent it to my old address. <laughs> it been delivered. Why to Why would house. they do that? I don't know because it's been four years, five years since I moved. Maybe more. Huh? That no, is really four, weird. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and so I finally got it yesterday. It finally showed up after all that. <laughs> it's been such a such an ordeal to get it. Yeah, I really hope I don't lose anything because we just moved a week and a half ago, and I really hope like it's it's already the move is going really hard. But I don't hope, hope nothing like that happens to me. Yeah, well, you know, I, I will tell you when I moved and I was buying, you know, occasionally I'll buy something using PayPal, and PayPal had my address in it, and even though I updated my address in PayPal. Some vendors would still get my old address and ship it there. That happened like with BGG Marketplace and somebody else, I think. And you know, I, I would check, I would change it. I tried contacting PayPal, saying, "Oh, we got your right address," and they did. I could see it, but then the thing would still get sent to the wrong address. And I paid this through PayPal, so I think it's the same sort of issue. It must have done that, or maybe it was autofill, and I still had the older set on my computer. But I doubt it, because this computer, I got it after I moved to this house. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> double check your, your shipping address every time you buy something. That's all I can say. Whoops. Hmm. <laughs> so I haven't had a chance to play the game yet. In theory, I've had it for three weeks now, but no, not really. All right, so that... Busy I, times. What's that? Busy times. Yeah. So so that is all I have. Is there anything else you want to share? Not really. I've I've just been very busy between the move and past for holidays and things like that. Just I haven't got a lot to the table. Yeah, but you haven't gotten the table to the table, have you? Yeah, I actually haven't. <laughs> That's true. All right, gosh, yeah, the movie moving can be challenging. I know it is so exhausting. Mm. Man, all right. So so let's talk about the first game. I mean, 
I guess these two games, Clank, or is it Clank, and Clank in Space. They're very, <laughs> and you know, the exclamation marks are in the title, so you got to say them. But the two games are very, very similar and yet pretty different. So I think what I want to do is talk about Clank first, tell you what I think about it and all that, and then we could talk about Clank in Space and just kind of go over the differences in, in that. Sure. Okay. So Clank, the summary, um, well, the game was designed by Paul Denon and was published by Renegade Games, which publishes tons of great solo games. Uh, this game is a it's a deck-building dungeon crawl, right? The idea, it's it's a, you're trying to steal treasure from a dragon, so you're breaking into his castle, getting down into the underground layers, getting some treasure, and then getting back out, hopefully alive. Um, and in this game, you don't actually have to get out to, to win. You have to at least get out from the lower half of the house. But if you do get out completely, you'll get more points. And that's what this game is. It's a race to see who gets the most points. Um, and it's kind of neat. That race element gives it a nice push-your-luck feel at the end of the game. Because you're just thinking, I could just stay here a little longer, get a little bit more treasure before the game ends. Um, so yeah, so that's what the game is about. Steal the treasure from the dragon. Um, the rules. The, the I personally found the rules are pretty clear, pretty well organized, and they're easy to realize, to read, until you realize there's something you're not clear on and you want to find it. For some reason, I found it hard to find things. Sometimes I wish I had an, a concrete example. I don't right now. But but some things are just hard to find. Eventually, I had to resort to BGG to figure out the answer. And, and I think these are sort of like you know special case type things. Generally speaking, the, the the game is really straightforward, and especially if you played a deck builder before, it's yeah. very easy to play. Um, the rule book looks nice. I do like how they organized it. Um, like th- they have a section, the mission, which is how to move and get around and go inside the board, and then your opponent, and then it talks about how you deal with the the enemy, the dragon that's going to occasionally attack you, and, and the clank and all that. And it's just really really neat. I thought. And very thematic. All right, so so that brings us to the next thing. Boy, we're going through this quickly. Do you have any comments, questions, statements? I mean, not till we really get to the next thing, I think. Okay. So the theme. I found the theme was really fun, really well done. Um, and most of the theme, I think, is really implemented in the flavor text and the cards. It's a deck-building game, so there's lots of cards. Uh, a lot of the, the card titles and the text and the pictures are going to be very tongue-in-cheek and, and familiar, you know, if if you know any fantasy stories. Um, or if you're familiar with, like, many of Vlada Shvadal's-type games, they also have a lot of that tongue-in-cheek humor. Do they? Okay, see, I didn't know that. Uh, and so in this game, you're sneaking in to steal the treasure from a dragon, and that, that's, you know, that's basically the theme. So you're trying to sneak in quietly. The reason the game is called Clank is because, I guess, even though you're trying to see who's the best thief, Nobody's really that good at thief because you occasionally bang a pot or crash into something and make some noise, and that's what the clank is. The clank is the noise that you make, um, <laughs> which I think is really cool. I think that's a really funny idea, and it actually comes into play with the mechanics. It uh, comes hugely into play. Yes, that's right. Uh, components. The, the well, focusing on the theme for a second, okay. I just want to comment on it. I know you said that you think the game is highly thematic, and I just wanted to echo a little bit of that. You, you feel very sneaky, but a lot of this, there, there's not a lot of like sneakiness interactions because you're you're really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
The, you're you're playing as a really dumb thief. You're not playing as a really intelligent thief. So you can fail to do stuff pretty spectacularly. Even you know, moving silently is apparently not an inborn trait for these guys. <laughs> yeah, they're very good at causing dragons to attack them, and the whole thing like. What exactly are they doing? <laughs> Why are they doing that? And so I think that for me, I just want to comment that that did give a little bit of dissonance to me. But otherwise, as long as you're just treating it with the humor of, yeah, you're playing as an idiot, <laughs> it's a lot more fun. And it's a lot more fun in my head to imagine that my guy's an absolute idiot. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that I think that is a neat part of the charm of the game. And you get, I think you do get a sense of that as you read the flavor text cards and whatnot. Yeah, the what it reminded me of. If you've ever played um, a old NES game with three Vikings, where you're trying to puzzle through how they um, how they can figure out to do things, and so one has a shield and the one has different things. Mm-hmm. I gosh, I remember that game. I don't think I ever played. It. I remember seeing it, thinking that it looked really cool. The Lost Vikings was the name of it. Yes. Um, it's a very fun puzzle. It's a very fun puzzle game for the computer or for the SNES then. And it just reminded me of that similar type of humor because they're competent. They're just dumb. And so when the dragon comes out of Lost Vikings, you sort of just see them all have the comedic jaw drop moment as they all stare and like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> and so every time the dragon comes out of this one, I always think of my guys going like, um... <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> That's, yeah. So as you can see, we're having a lot of fun just talking about the theme. So so I think it's pretty well implemented for for a deck building game even. Usually they're so light on theme. All right. Components. Um, so I think, you know, they're, they're great quality. I, I'm not going to get into all the detail of everything you get, but there's a ton of cards because it's a deck building game. You got meeples for your characters and you got a bunch of cubes and you got a board. I think that's that's some and there's a bag to draw the cubes from. Um, the board is double sided. What's that? Oh yeah, and you get, yeah, it's a dragon bag, which is when you get attacked from the dragon, you're pulling cubes out of there. It's a nice the, bag. It comes with the little icon on it too. It does, yes. And it, it, it the icon represents a dragon. There's a big meeple for the dragon. That's probably a, an inch and a half tall and has that same that same dragon image on it. So it, it was really nice, actually. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly nice, I would say. Um, the board is double-sided. Now, one thing about it that when I first see it kind of bugged me is that the the map is going to be the same every time you play because it, it's printed onto the board. Um, and to me, a, a random board means more replayability. I didn't find that to be an issue. I found that there's plenty of variable randomness in, in the way you set up counters on the board. There's a lot of different counters for things you could find. The, the treasure you're going to get... Um, each turn, when when not each turn, when you set up the board, there's five different treasures from a low point value to high point, and do they get placed randomly? Yes, they do. So so you don't know where the best treasure is going to be the, when you first set it up. It could be anywhere. Um, and there's other things you could find, other loot that again is set up randomly, so you don't know where, you don't know necessarily where you're going to end up going in this game. So the connections and things aren't random, but what you get in the different places is are, is random. And some of those loots or monsters or secrets or things like that will help you interact with other aspects of the board. So that can help define how you progress through the rest of the board. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, so, so this is a deck building game, right? So the, 
you know, you're, if you're familiar with them, there's, there's currencies in the game for buying your cards and that sort of thing. This game has three different currencies that the cards give you. One of them is used for movement on the board, right? You, you, um, some cards will have little footprints on it. Those footprints means how many spaces you can move. Um, the other two currencies are combat and skills. Skills are just used to buy other cards to draw into your hand. Combat is used to defeat cards that generally are monsters. Or, or maybe even traps, that you will defeat and will get discarded. But when you kill them, you'll get some sort of bonus for it. Sometimes gold, sometimes extra card draw or something. It just depends. Mostly gold. Um, and, I, I mean, I think that's all you, I want to say about the components. Anything else you want to mention? Um, the game has a whole bunch of wood cubes. Mm-hmm. And I do feel, I mean, we're we're moving into more prized and premium components and replacing those cubes I can certainly see how you know people would like being able to replace those cubes with something more classy I suppose but I, you know they get the job done yeah what would you replace them with I mean I never even occurred to me to do that you're not thinking Style, of... stylized meeples oh oh that'd be cool hang on a second hang on Get out, cat. Go me on some Okay. Yeah, okay. I would be nice. I mean, even as there's a couple games that, that do stylize meeples in the bag. Um, and that's neat. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's cool that they do it. If you that's really right. want to get classy, there's the new deluxe um, BGG tokens that are for things like Orleon. And That'd be awesome to have in the in the box, but there's no way we're going to be able to afford that <laughs> and not have an extremely expensive game. Yeah, yeah. I thought I was just imagining like plastic cubes or something, but no, that's even neater. Yeah, you know, it yeah. works just fine. Cubes, cubes are right. just fine. It works fine, but it's cubes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every, every time I see cubes at this point, I'm like, ah, something else that <laughs> something else that could have been upgraded. <laughs> that's funny. All right, uh, components, double-sided board, blah, blah, blah. We mentioned the double-sided board. One side's harder than the other. That That's the benefit of having two sides there. I don't think that the change in layout makes much difference. Uh, so how about the gameplay? Um, so this is a deck building. Buying cards is in the tradition of, say, a game like Star Realms or Ascension where you have a trade row, and as you buy cards, those cards get replaced from the deck. So So what's available changes a lot from turn to turn. Um, and as you buy cards, they're suddenly not available for your opponents, or as they buy them, the cards you wanted are, are suddenly gone, that sort of thing. Um, and the game really is about two things. It's about buying those cards, because a lot of cards are going to give you victory points, and about getting loot from the board. To win the game, to just to even score in the game, you have to get to the bottom half of the map, get a treasure, and then get out. Uh, or at least get back to the top. Well, half. you don't even have to necessarily. Yeah, but you have to make the top half. If you don't make the top half, you don't get any points. You just can't even. You don't have a chance of winning. If you make it to the top half, you are not eligible to score because presumably the dragon finally got you and you died in the top half. But somebody came back in and dragged you out and rescued you and counted your point, your gold for you. <laughs> so, so you won posthumously, which I think is hilarious. Um, but if you do get out, you're gonna get a lot more points. So, so it's definitely a go. Um, you know, typical typical game deck builder. Each turn you're gonna play cards from your hand and use the points that those cards give you to do things. Generally, buy cards or move. But 
the cards you buy, especially the ones you start with, are pretty plain. The ones you buy are gonna have more abilities and things, extra draws or whatever. Um, then the clank. You want to talk about the clank, Julius? The idea of the clank is many cards because you're not the brightest of thieves. <laughs> you can't open up boxes or use friends without making noise. You trip. Whenever. Whenever you make noise, you're going to be throwing in more of your cubes as clank into the bag. Um, every once in a while, I think there's some cards that also can interact with that and take cubes out of the bag. But every once in a while, you'll be reaching into the bag and you'll be pulling out more uh, cubes from the bag, which are going to identify which areas the dragon is going to be targeting at that point in time. Mm-hmm. That's right. and, and we didn't mention, but there are some cubes that when you, that start in the bag already. These are black cubes, and they represent, I guess, misses. When the dragon attack, he just didn't hit anybody. So you're hoping that's what he pulls out. Or if he doesn't pull out your cube, you're, you're, you're hoping he doesn't pull out your cube. You don't care whose it is, <laughs> as long as it's not yours. If if you, you have a damage track, if that ever fills up with your cubes, as you pull them out of the bag, you put them in that track, you will die. That That's how you die eventually. Um... So yeah, so the clank is neat. The The dragon doesn't attack every turn. He attacks as you fill up the trade row. And if a card is drawn that has an icon of that dragon, again, the same as the meeple or the the image on the bag, then he attacks, and then you go ahead and draw cubes. As the game progresses, the number of cubes that you draw goes up and up. It starts with, like, I think two or three, depending on number of players, and goes up to five. five. Yeah, Five is the max. Five. Though it could be higher, there's some cards that do raise that. Say, you know, say right, I think there's some cards that raise that. I think there's some cards that cause the dragon to attack sooner. So yep. I think there are things that mess with it. Yep, that's right. Um, which makes it unpredictable. Uh, early on, attacks aren't a big deal, especially as the game progresses and suddenly there's no more black cubes in the bag or very few. Every attack is dangerous. <laughs> um, so yeah, so Clank is a huge deal in this game. And where do you mention how to win? Get out, and once everybody's out, or once the game ends, once somebody gets out, there's only like five rounds left till the game ends. So sometimes you're playing, you want to get out quick. Because they're not pushing the dragon every round once they're out. Yeah, that's right. Every round the dragon attacks, and after five rounds the game just ends flat, wherever you're at. Hopefully you made it out, or at least the top half if you didn't, too bad. Um, So that kind of, if you decide to get out quicker, that now gives everybody else a limit, so they better hurry up. And, And in I find that in theory, that's going to add tension to the game and make you want to potentially leave earlier and use that as something you're going to game when when you decide to leave. But I found that, at least in the games I played, it it never benefited anybody to try and get out quicker. Because I kept trying that and I kept losing. Did, did yeah, you I think any? you usually want to try and stay in as long as you can. I think that's the I think that's the best strategy. Yeah, it seems like I've, it. I found many times where it seems competitive to stay in and actually get, um, get only up to the get out of the depths, but not actually get all the way out, and just make sure you get some more stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. I usually find that more fun too. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Though I I did find up to a point. After a while, it kind of just. It, sometimes it just felt like a little too much, and it felt like the game had overstated its welcome by a couple turns. I often thought that when when I've tried being the player that got out and then had to sit and wait for everyone else to go, 
it's, it's not, I mean, you laugh. It's not fun. I don't like being the player that has to sit away for everyone else. And you're like, okay, there's my turn. I just caused damage. Like, do something more fun. Yeah. Well, it's fun if you're actually causing damage. I think, me, I don't know, maybe I'm... But, it's, maybe. but you're not the one that's causing damage. You're literally just rolling dice. I mean, it happens to be well, like pulling out of a dice bag. Mm-hmm. But that the, the game is over for you. Get up and walk away, I'm thinking, like... <laughs> it, it's it's all the issues That's that true. we normally it's all the issues we normally call it for player elimination. We normally say like player elimination in a game is a bad thing. Well, for here for the last five turns of the game, which are often a the most exciting because they have big turns, and b the slowest because everyone's planning all their things because they know they only have five left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you're out. You're not you're not doing anything, and your turns take seconds. And it's just not as much. It's not as much fun. And I don't. I don't. I don't really like. I mean. I already talked about likes and dislikes of the game. I don't like that. I don't like yeah. that you have to sit and wait. So the Solo end game, obviously solves that problem, but... Mm-hmm. So the end game could be a little bit weird in multiplayer. A little flat, I guess, depending. Okay, so Solo. Um, yeah, it does solve that. We didn't get into the Solo yet, but it, it works using an app. Renegade Games has published an app um, that I know at least... It's on both Android and iPhone. And... It does a few different things, but it takes care of managing the the AI player, the artificial player. And it isn't an actual player. Nobody moves on the board, but it does simulate that person by doing things that the player would do that affect you. For example, after each turn after you go, the AI pulls a few cards out of the trade row, and they get discarded. So it's as if somebody had bought them. Um, and it also simulates the players getting out it before you using a... a some threat cubes, which is basically just take the cubes of a color, and these are not called threat cubes. Though I found that when I played that, they never made any difference whatsoever. The threat was never an issue. Threat would be the equivalent of a player getting out before you and triggering the game end. Did you ever have it matter? I mean, it matters because it can accelerate the end game. I I mean, I always got out before there's enough threat to... to be anywhere near causing the end of the game i think the most threat ever drew was five or six maybe and and always i would get out because i had to get out i was about to die right and you know again getting out will get you 20 points so it's worth leaving alive if you can but yeah but in terms of for me it, it never really had any impact in the gameplay another thing though the app does um i think we're kind of well it's still the app is that it it uh, it ad- it adds something that isn't in the regular game. It adds little side quests, and the side quests will be things like, um, you know, get a cer- find a certain type of treasure in five turns, or purchase a certain or a card in, an expensive card in you know three turns, or kill a monster, or get to a crystal cavern, something like that. Yeah, so on and so forth. And so if you do these things, you'll get some sort of bonus. Maybe it'll say draw a card, or you get five points of skill points to spend right away. Probably never five, probably smaller than that. You know, different bonuses that you get that help you in the game. If you don't do it within that time limit they give you, then something bad happens, which is often either getting clank or maybe adding threat. And so that is kind of neat because, you know, without that, you're basically trying to get in, get everything that you can and get out. This suddenly gives you a little bit of direction where to go you know like suddenly like well you know i want to go over here and get this item but if i go this way instead and and do the side quest and go to that chamber then i might get some more points in the game 
So I thought that was a pretty neat mechanic. I really like that. Um, okay, so overview? With the app, before we do that. Sure. With the app, the one thing that I don't think it really simulates, and refresh my memory if I'm wrong, I don't think it interacts with the board. It's moving things. Like, if we were really trying to emulate a second player, which is sort of the idea of what the app is trying to do, you would also sort of at random remove treasures, deal with monsters, uh, remove caverns, things like that. And I don't think the app does implement that. No, they they decided not to bother that so much. What they did instead is the, the, quests. the setup, the quests, which kind of guide you in one direction over another. And I guess in a way that does it because you won't you won't be able to get everything. And if the quests end up guiding you one way versus another, you could say, well, that's because the other player ended up doing something. I mean, kind of, not really, but kind of. I mean, kind of, but not really. But also, when you see those quests. I mean, when when I used the solo app, I thought the quests were really fun because, oh, it's something new that you could do in a sort of more exciting way to play. But as with the Dungeon Alliance and their quests, they either the quests are really, really hard and can totally trash your game if you try and chase them, or they're really easy or ignorable and just don't do enough to actually affect the game. So you're left just interacting with the board... And the board is entirely your state. There's not enough other other things changing on the board itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of true. I, I did. F- I personally found the quests though they're, they're neat. I did not find them re- satisfying or rewarding as a mechanic. Um, and I think it's like you're saying. You know, either either they're they're easy to do and work out, or they're just unattainable and you know it already from the beginning so so you don't even bother yeah with the quests with the quests they usually looked at them like oh i can do this almost immediately let's do it or i can't do it almost immediately i'm going to therefore not bother and anytime where you have a central thing where players are going i'm gonna not bother mm, Mm -hmm. don't really know if that's the best sort of impression to be leaving for the game (laughs) so i will say occasionally there were quests where it'll be the ones that say um, s- buy a specific card in three turns. You know, th- I like those. I found those interesting sometimes because I knew I had to buy a certain card to to accomplish the quest. But there's another card that I really want in the trade roll. So now I'm kind of deciding: should I get the one I want, or should I get the quest? And you know, maybe the quest ends this turn, and I have to get it now. But if I get it, then there's a chance the one I want is going to go away in the trade roll when the AI takes it away. I'd kind of rather the app just sort of at random give me cards because otherwise, with many deck builders, you'll see the cards that you use a lot and start to rely on and use those cards over and over again. If the deck would, or if the app would just randomly, hey, give you a couple other extra cards, I feel like that would have also changed my play style more and and done more to affect how I played. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think so. I, I, I agree with you. Okay, so so is there anything else we want to do in this overview? I'm kind of ready for my final thoughts. Let's it's do a, it. It's a beat your high score kind of game. Oh, I do want to mention... Beat everyone's ones. high score kind of game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The, the there's, there's three expansions, I think, available for the game. Uh, plus oh, I've not played with any of the expansions. Okay, so the... 
the the app does support one of the expansions. In it's a little bit different. That one there's underwater rooms and stuff like that, and it supports it and deals with those rooms in the app. The other two expansions are not supported in the app, um, so they say just use the base game. However, my experience, I've got them. The they don't change the game that much. You could switch the map and use that map, and it'll be fine for the most part. There's a couple mechanics that some of the maps have, like there's one that has the spiders, and you put spider tokens on the board, and you know as somebody shows up, those tokens will leave, so it won't impact that at all, really. You you wouldn't be able to do the whole simulating somebody taking away spider with the app, but I, I don't think that's a problem. I think it's still play with it, and and by using the expansions, get a lot more replay out of it. Um, I didn't try the mummy one. Actually, I only tried a couple of them. I didn't. I think I tried not the spider, but the other side of the spider board. I don't know what it was, um, but I don't think it's that big a deal. I think, you know, if you like the game and you're playing it with the app and you you want to consider getting the expansions, I'd say try. I, I don't think it's going to hurt. I think you'll be able to use them solo. So that that's what I want to say about those expansions. So yeah, final thoughts. I like the game. I find it a lot of fun. I love the deck building. I like that type of deck building, which to me is a Star Realms thing, which I really love. Um, I find the game is really replayable uh, because there is a lot of variability in the setup and the card draws and whatnot. But I do find it's a little bit long. Like I said, it overstays its welcome by a turn or two. And for me, that was mainly because those last rounds, especially, tend to. I, I feel like I'm just playing so many cards that that round just goes on a lot longer than I would like it to. I kind of wish there were less draw card type cards. I guess I could just take them out of there. So that's it. What do, what do you think, uh, Julius? Um, I'm a, normally a fan of deck building games. And again, I think we talked about how I like the theme of it. Mm-hmm. So with you, I also did enjoy the game itself. I think that the nature of the game, running around, playing around with the cards, all those things are nice. I think the game looks nice. I, I think there are a couple aspects for me that drag. And I think we talked about talked about them already about the uh the end game essentially being just sit and twiddle your thumbs i wish there was something more that you could do at the end game other than just simply taking taking a two second turn so the game does feel that if you're winning (laughs) the game feels (laughs) like it outstays it's welcome I've never felt for me that it's outlasted its welcome when you're playing the game. It's when, when you're actually playing the game. I do enjoy playing through it. I will never, ever play the solo game of this, to tell you the honest truth. For one, it's an app and that comes into all sorts of Shabbos issues with me. Mm-hmm. So that that already restricts the amount of time that I'm going to be pulling out the app. But second of all, it it's not playing it's not playing enough with the board to make me feel like I'm having enough of an interesting game rather than just sort of repeating over and treading the same lines that I've already done. I wanted I wanted a, a I wanted more variety to it. If the quests would have been mandatory, if it would have been run through the quests as fast as you can and make sure you get out of it. I mean, there's a lot of things that I wish the solo version could have done even if it would have changed a little bit of the nature of the game when i'm playing with other people for this one i feel like i am forced to adapt and change my play style a lot more than when i'm playing with the app and that meant that i just didn't feel like picking up the app again 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that makes sense. I will say that is true for I find most games that are multiplayer with solo variants. A lot of times, the the solo games just always lack the the dynamism of a multiplayer game where you don't know what your opponent's going to do. You really have to think more. Unless it really does a good job of of really giving you something mm-hmm. challenging and actually changing board state changes like that, like with the automas and things like that, those can actually change the board state. They can take places that you were looking to go. They'll build things that you wanted to have, like for Anachrony, for example. It, it can actually take stuff that you wanted. Um, it can take spots that you wanted. And for worker placement games, I think it's a lot easier to try and do that because of the limited resource of placement spots. But you just don't have that like that because there's the limited play. There's there's supposed to be the limited spots on the board of the treasures and things like that, and none of that ever leaves. And that's just something I wish it had been done for the app, and could have mm-hmm. been for an app. For an app, it could have. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And even fortunes and apps was supposed someday they might update it, but you know I nobody ever does. <laughs> I highly doubt that. <laughs> nobody ever updates their apps. That's just the way it is. All right, so, so it- I certainly think it's worth getting for multiplayer. I enjoyed it for multiplayer, but I don't think it's worth getting for solo. I think I would agree. I think so. It's it's a really fun multiplayer game. I think it's okay solo. I think I'll pull it out occasionally. Hmm. But but if I'm only going to play it solo, I think I would avoid this game. If I'm going to be able to play solo and multiplayer, then yeah, I'd say it's definitely definitely worth looking into. All right. So that is Clack. Before we get into Clank in Space, I want to mention something else. Um, Barnes & Noble is having a clearance sale, and I, I picked up a Pandemic Legacy Season 2 the other day. And I've played a few games. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I seem to remember you had played it, maybe, and didn't enjoy it as yes. much. I didn't enjoy it as much as Pandemic Legacy Season 1. <laughs> okay. I, never, I haven't played one. Um... So I've heard all about it. I am finding two is really, really fun, and I wonder if, if maybe it's fun because it's all new for me, and having played and for you haven't already played a legacy game, the second one is not as fun anymore because it's already familiar and, and I don't know, I don't know. I think that's a whole topic that we could get into. Yeah, I've and it, you know I've heard multiple people say the same thing. I generally speaking, I think everybody's always said two's not that good. One's pretty good. I'm not saying it's not that good. I'm just saying no. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to say it wasn't that good. I'm just going to say it wasn't as good as the first. But also for reasons that I don't want to at all spoil. So that would have to be a spoiler episode and not in the middle of an episode where I haven't warned anybody about it. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe that's my, maybe I haven't gotten far enough to be disappointed. Maybe that's my problem. We'll get all the way through and we can have an episode about it. <laughs> okay. I, I will. I'll keep playing. I've really enjoyed it. I got it to play with my son and he has not wanted to play it because of the legacy aspect. He really has issues with destroying components. <laughs> okay, I'll play it solo then. So that's what I've been doing. Nice. All right, so so back I will to say, our... that was kind of a random thing to get into right there in the middle. <laughs> what made you think of that? Oh, we're talking about Clank and the way the solo game works, and then I was thinking about Clank in Space next because some of the stuff you mentioned reminded me of how the Clank in Space game is different. And the way Clank in Space works reminds me slightly of Pandemic. <laughs> so there's actually a what? bit of a... <laughs> So, so there's a bit, bit of a progression. Okay, well, there. we're going to get into Clank in Space, and you're going to tell me how Clank in Space reminds you of Pandemic. You ready? I don't remember how, but I'll tell you I knew what I do know. So, yes, Clank in Space! 
So, so this game is a lot like Clank, but in space. <laughs> That's really all you need to know. Okay, so that's not true. Um, where am I? You're not talking, are you, Julius? Because no, well, I'm just waiting for you to say something more interesting than <laughs> in space. That, that's what I. That's all I've got. Okay, so so this time you have different. played this, right? I have played this. You go in, you get some loot, and you get out, just like Clank, but you're doing it in a spaceship. Okay. Um, same publisher and designer. Rules, pretty much everything I said before applies here. Um, you know, the enemy's different. It's not a dragon now. It's an evil Lord Eradicus. Um, the theme, there's not a lot to add here. Again, it's like Clank, but in space. The, again, the humor is really well done. This time, there's a lot more references that I caught than, say, in Clank. I, I could see references to Star Wars and Star Trek and Doctor Who and, and other stuff, which offhand I can't think of right now. And some of the cards are really funny. I find the puns and play on words great. Um, there's a card, for example, the feline, feline, which is a, a robot lion, right? F-E dash lion. Well, so I thought that was hilarious because F-E is, uh, the, with the scientific name for iron, right? For the chemical. And it's a robot, so it's made out of metal. So I thought that was hilarious. And it's a feline. Once again, they like making these kind of jokes. Hmm? They do like making these kind of jokes. They like do, Lord yeah. Eradicate is Eradicus. Yes. yes. <laughs> and, and so the feline is also a feline because it's a lion. So I just thought that it had to work so many ways. I love it. And I just really enjoyed the humor in the game. Um, so, so yeah, so that's a theme. Uh, the same but different. Components, again, the same but different. The one thing here is that the board is now modular, which means you get to put a puzzle together before you play. What is interesting here is that the, um, when you first set it up, there's three modules that, that are going to go in the middle, and those parts are double-sided. So each time you play, those three could go in any arrangement and flipped over or not. So, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. Because um, where they are could make a difference on to where you go and how they connect. And as you travel, they're sort of amazed because there's... And we didn't mention it in Clank, but it is true in, in both games. There's spaces that it, when you visit them, when you reach it, you have to stop and end your turn. You can't move anymore. Um, you can't use any more footsteps. So so you may decide to go one way versus another because of that. Um, for example, if I have a choice of where to go, and I've got three three boots left to move, three spaces I could go, and going left means I have to stop immediately because it's one of those spaces, or going right means I can keep going as far as I want, I will probably go right. On the other hand, if I've only got one boot, I might just go left because there's more treasure in that direction. Um, so So it really depends. Uh, so where you go and what you do really changes a lot depending on how the board is arranged each game, which I thought was great. I really like that about Clank in Space. Um, anything else about components, Julius? Not really. Okay. Um, gameplay. So again, very similar to Clank. A couple of things are new. There's some little plastic gems that come in there that you could buy and use. They're hard to get. There's only like five or six in the game. Uh, and you, you get them and you could spend them, but they're harder to get. And when you spend them, they're to, to be pretty useful. They don't always come into play and, you know, not everybody's going to get an opportunity to get them each game just because of how rare they are. I forgot what they are. Dilithium crystals or something like that. 
Um, the other thing that's different is you now have factions. There's, I think, three different factions in the cards that you could buy from the trade row. And, you know, like a game like Star Realms, when you play multiple cards from the same faction on your turn, they will give each other benefits. They enhance each other. Mm-hmm, exactly, which is nice. So so you may want to theme again, you know, for one faction versus the other if you can. The this, Speaking of that, by the way, I felt this was something important that I didn't realize originally. It's a lot easier to use the Resistance faction than the Science faction because the Resistance, there's a lot more of than the Science cards. Are there? I didn't know that. There are. Are the Science ones more powerful? I don't, I don't know. And that's I, interesting. I just didn't realize that. Until I played through the first game thinking that for some reason I can't remember what I was trying to do with the science ones, but I was trying to do something with the science. And I could never actually grab a science card to, to start making it work together. And then afterwards I looked at the rules and I noted there are less science cards. I'm like, well, I wish I had known that. <laughs> well, that is interesting. I, I didn't realize it at all either. Hmm. Okay. So... So gameplay, again, very similar, getting in, get out. There's another thing that's different. The To get, instead of getting to the bottom like you did in Clank to get to the under dungeon, here you have to get to the main part of the ship. So you have to get through those modules, and then there's a part of the ship that is blocked. To get to it, you have to go to two of those three modules, those double-sided boards, and play a little token in a specific space. Basically, you're accessing a console to get the security clearance you need to get to the final part of the board. So this kind of forces you to visit the, more of the board, which is pretty nice. And once you've done that, then you can get to the main part, get your treasure that you need, so that you could then try and get out to win the game. Um, I really like that because, again, it, it makes you go everywhere. In Clank, it's easy to, to just stick to one side of the board and not do as much and, and just wander aimlessly. Uh, so this game, is, I, I find it more focused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, regarding the solo play, uh, I like the solo play in this one a lot. I thought it was really cool. It's it's actually pretty different. What the big thing here is that now it's a campaign game. Um, it's you, it's a story that progresses and it progresses through five games. And as you play, each scenario is a piece of the story, and the stuff you have to do in the scenario is tied into the story. Um, you know, so you have to go to a certain place and maybe find talk to a person. And some of the stuff is just thematic. It'll say, oh, you talk to this person and, and they tell you to go to this other part of the board and not go there. Um, so when you do that, talking to the person wasn't anything. It just, you know, you went to the first space, you press on the app that you've reached the place and done what it told you, and now gives you some flavor text, and you talk to the guy, and now gives you a new assignment, go to this other end of the board to do the next step. I really like that because it suddenly felt not like a, a random runaround get treasure and get out game it felt like an actual dungeon crawler a whole lot like a dungeon crawler i thought and i thought it was really good and i really enjoyed that experience um so that's the biggest difference in the app another thing that the app has is something that you kind of mentioned earlier julius is that you kind of wish clank had like that it would give you cards when you're playing uh, after the first couple scenarios i think maybe even just after the first one There'll be a couple icons on the app screen that give you one shot as if it were, say, a, a card that you had. So it says anytime you want, you could use this person for his special ability. And you could use them once. Once you've marked them, they're, they're taken away from you. You can no longer use them again. And the ability might be, like, get some extra moves or draw a couple cards or whatever. 
And I liked it because it, it added a little bit of tactics to the game, and a lot of, and a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm afraid okay. I can't speak so much for the solo version of this one. I haven't had a chance to play the solo version of Clink in Space. Oh, okay. It, it feels so different. It really does. In this one, when you have the app, it shows you a map of the ship. And as you go from one section of the ship to the next, you actually click on it to, to identify where you're at. And then it'll give you a couple missions along the bottom, which is usually like go to the access console and unlock it. But then in some scenarios, there are extra missions you got to do. So you might go somewhere and it says, you know, not necessarily go to the access console. Go to this area and go to one of the security places. So you go to one of the security places and you click on the app that you finish that mission. It gives you some more flavor text and, and so on and so forth. And if I remember correctly, a couple of times you had choices you could make in the mission that uh, affected what path you took through the entire game. So like doing one mission versus the other changed how the rest of the game progressed, I think. I'm not entirely sure. I've played through the campaign once. I haven't done it again. Um, But yeah, I really liked it. I liked it a lot. The story, it's a campaign. It's a very familiar, very predictable story. So once you've played the first NR, you know what's going to happen through the end. Let's just say they have a a planet-destroying device. <laughs> Enough said. Okay, so so that is... I guess that's enough. Is there any any questions about it? Or do you make any comments in the game? I mean, I prefer... Personally, I prefer the theme of Clank in Space over that of Clank. Mechanically or gameplay, like, I'm... I don't really have a strong preference of one over the other. They're they're both about even for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. In terms of gameplay, I think they're they're both fun. I like the random board. Um. But once you actually play in the game, it doesn't really have a huge impact. They're it also means... similar that it doesn't matter. Yeah, th- that's true. the The fact that the faction cards add the extra layer of complexity again doesn't really change the feel of the game. It just adds a little bit of complexity. Um, but I do like it. I, I do prefer the theme, and I love the campaign game for this. I found this a lot of fun. So as a matter of fact, a few of the games, out, but t- by the end, I'm standing up playing. You know, so it's getting pretty exciting. Hmm. I'll um, have to give that a shot. Yeah. Now, the the one drawback is that once you've done the campaign once, you kind of know the story. So I'm, I'm betting that the second time through, it's just not quite as fun because you're familiar with the story. As many times as I played through the stories in Arkham Horror, I'm not that concerned about <laughs> that. That might not be a concern. That's funny. <laughs> I also did find these games were more tense in terms of winning. I actually felt like I was going to lose a few times, um, where, where it was pretty tense. In Clank, and, in Clank, it was just sort of strictly you know beat your high score from the last game. But here, like if you play the game and if you don't win, like if you die before getting to the outer part of the ship you have to redo that scenario before you could go into the next next part of the story. And I lost one time. I won the rest, but they always felt really close. Um, so I thought that was pretty nice. Um, let me look at my notes. Um, okay, again, there there is an expansion for Clank in Space. There's just one versus the three of Clank. The... The solo game does not support the expansion. Here it's a bigger issue because when you set up the game 
for the solo campaign, it'll tell you specifically how to set it up. It'll say, you know, use these three, loca- these three boards in this arrangement, flip to this side. And in terms of story, it'll have you go to specific locations. So it kind of matters. Um, it probably doesn't matter too much because all the important features exist on every board. Every board's going to have security places where you have to stop your turn and market spaces to buy stuff and so on and so forth. Oh, we never even talked about the, the buying stuff in the market spaces. Which are interesting, but not not critical to, to understanding the game. Um, so yeah, I don't so think we need to get necessarily all the rules of the game. Just the just the idea. No, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, final thoughts. I enjoyed the game a lot. It was a lot of fun. I loved the story. It was really fun to play through it, and I thought it was really well done. Um, in terms of solo, this one is, in my opinion, is definitely better of the two games. So there you go. That's Clank. And clank in space. We'll see you guys all in two weeks. Uh, maybe, <laughs> probably not. Honestly. All right. Uh, I'll bye. be giving up us already. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening. And off we go. Stop recording. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduche Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.